a retired special ed teacher is standing at the retail pharmacy counter deciding if she can afford to fill the osteoporosis prescription her doctor says she really should take every single month. The copay is $75. Does she fill the prescription or does she just walk away? Welcome to the final mile, the last decision made between a scientist discovering a drug target and the drug doing anything at all. I'm Jeff Stewart. Today on the Inventive Health Podcast, I'm joined by Linda Marini and Mike Occupinti from Adherus Health. The final mile, next. Mike Occupinti, Linda Marini, welcome to the Inventive Health Podcast. Thank you. Thank you very much. So you both work for Adherus Health. I don't think many people, as many people know what Adherus Health is as, um, what's Adherus Health? Well, interesting you ask. It's actually a patient-centric messaging company. Our mission is really to enhance the patient journey through their management of their health and wellness. And we message patients at the right time in the right setting to keep them adherence on their medications. Okay. Obviously for, you know, increased outcomes and, and, and better way of life. Okay. And you also have, because you do adherence programs, that this is, if just help me, this is if you're at, say, Walgreens and you get a letter from Walgreens saying, welcome to the medication that, that you're taking. You, you get these letters and it keeps you more adherent to drug and reminders, patient reminders and the like. Am I understanding that? or That's very that? correct. And, and what really makes us unique and what's cool about it is the message itself comes on, from, on behalf of the pharmacist. It's not some, you know, health insurance company telling you, go visit your doctor. It's actually the pharmacist telling you and giving you good information about why you should stay on your medication. All right. And because Adherence Health works with pharmacies and they work with adherence, then we have insight into what people are prescribed and how adherent they are and what causes them to be adherent or not. Is that right? That's correct. Linda, I know that you had done a study on this. You just completed a study on this, and that's I think that's why we're uh, that's why we're talking today. Yes, absolutely, uh, because of our relationship with the retail pharmacies, we um, have access to their data, and so we had done an analysis to understand what are the factors that influence adherence. So <clears throat> we took a look at the top 100 um, prescribed brands in the last year and looked at um, a modeling exercise to understand the most influential factors to driving patient adherence or non-adherence. So when we talk about adherence, we're talking about a, a patient could pick up a prescription or not. It's a choice, right? Absolutely. It's a choice. So what we have in our data is whether or not they purchased that prescription. Mm-hmm. We don't know if they actually took those pills, sure. but based on their um, return to the pharmacy, we can make assumptions about whether or not they consumed that medication. So you looked at the top 100 drugs of all kinds of drugs or just some kinds of drugs? We just looked at brand chronic drugs. All right. So you looked at the top 100 drugs in the U.S.? In the U.S., yes. All chronic medications, so they're ones that you would expect someone to pick up and use on a chronic basis, and they may or may not use it for one month, two months, three months. They may not even pick it up the first month. Is that right? That is correct. Um, The information that we have is based on at least one pickup. We don't know. We didn't look at abandonment. Okay. So what do we know about patients? So we we know we've got a lot of patients that we can talk to. I, I think, Mike, how many retail pharmacies and patients are we talking about that are within Adherus generally? 
Well, we have about 195 million patients in our database, so we've got quite a bit of uh, longitudinal data on quite a bit of the population. Sure. And, you know, you mentioned, Jeff, uh, you know, what makes folks pick up their medication or take their medication, and you mentioned earlier that there was a decision that they have to make. Mm -hmm. It's interesting enough, but they got to keep making that decision throughout whatever time period they're supposed to take their medicine. So, like, as an example, you, you go to the pharmacy and you pick up your first prescription. Interesting enough, does it have a refill prescribed or not? Because sometimes there's extra activity you have to go through to even get that second prescription. Mm -hmm. Or if there's a certain number of refills prescribed, it's kind of like, you know, is it a hard choice or a hard action or an easy action? So to me, if I've got two or three refills, it's real, it's real easy. I call, I get my second uh, prescription or, or my third refill. But if I have to go through more work to get it, that's another factor that we kind of think about is, what makes someone go get their prescription and how much, I guess, of their own pain will they go through to continue on that therapy? Meaning how hard is it for someone to really stay on therapy? Because there's a few different factors and a few different decision points. And that's exactly, Linda, what you've discovered or what you've studied in this, correct? Mm -hmm. That is absolutely true. So one of the key factors is the number of refills prescribed on that initial brand prescription. So if there are zero, those patients have a much lower compliance than patients who have at least one or more refills on that initial prescription. So uh, that seems kind of obvious, right? Uh, right. If, if you have refills prescribed, then people tend to go pick up more refills. Absolutely. Because they don't have to go see the physician. Right. There's not an additional action, like Mike said, in yeah. order to get that second prescription. When we talked about what the retail pharmacy patient experiences, who is this patient? Patients mostly that we have studied in this analysis are female. So 61% of the patients on these top 100 brand chronic drugs are female. That's really interesting. So when we think about them, we do have a clear picture of what our target brand is. It's, it's females. It's not just anyone. Right. And then within that, we know that most of those females are over the age of 40. I, I think that if I think of most direct-to-consumer advertising, I guess we do see a lot of that particular patient as being one that shows up there, and that makes a lot of sense. But you see a lot of young patients also. Does that even really make a lot of sense that you, that you see that? Is that the patient? Because we're studying the top 100 chronic, we're going down to some categories like ADHD, which are more geared towards the younger patients. Mm -hmm. But there aren't that many of them, or there are that many of them. 8% of the patients that we studied were 18 and under. Okay, so 92%, the vast majority of patients are adults, and more than half of them are female. That is correct. Okay, that gives, I think, a very different idea, to me at least, on what I think of when I think of a patient on a drug. I should be thinking, instead of any old patient, I should be thinking of female, probably older than 65. Right. About 38% of the patients were of retirement age. I think that's, that, that helps us then I, to put ourselves in the mind space of what the patient is really experiencing. That also puts me in a position of thinking of how much they can afford. How much are they paying? Over 20% of the patient co-pays are over $60, which if you think about these patients being in retirement age, that's a lot of money. It is a lot of money. And I think, spoiler alert, you pay more money and you pick up less drug. That is correct. 
and what share of patients pay nothing. I know that you get insurance companies that do encourage, for example, generic drugs and some branded drugs. Mm -hmm. This study is based only on the brand drugs. Um, but even within that, we do have patients that are paying nothing, and those could be from the Medicaid population. And we found that 20% of the patients had a zero copay. So if I had um, if I had 10 dimes representing the patient groups, four of them would be over in the paying $30 to $60 range. Four of the dimes would be over in the paying nothing to $15 range, and two dimes in the middle would be doing $15 to 30 That is correct. That also helps uh, to understand, I think, what they're facing in terms of copays uh, for single drugs. That, that's something new. That's something I hadn't seen before for this patient population. I think that one of the, the point of this entire study that you did was to figure out what works. That is absolutely the purpose of the study. So we are trying to understand um, what Amongst all the factors that we have on the patient, which we studied over 30 variables that include variables regarding the product itself, the patient, for instance, their demographic, their age, their gender, where they're, where they're living, the prescriber, meaning who's their doctor, what's the practice, and also payer variables. So not to put too fine a point on it, but the most valuable patients, all things being equal, are going to be the patients who pick up more of the drug than another patient who's prescribed the drug and doesn't pick it up. That is true. All right. So we're going to learn who picks up more drug and who are the patients that we should want to target. Let's start, though, with what really matters. What keeps a patient from picking up a drug in the first place? The most important factors that we found have to do with the copay of the product and then the, also the copay of the other products that the patient is picking up as well. So that first part makes a lot of sense to me. I, Copays work. People pay more. Um, that's why a payer wants you to pay a higher copay so you don't pick up as much drug. Or I'm sure there are many payers out there that are clear that they pay, they charge a lower copay for the drugs that they want you to pick up as opposed to uh, the negative on that one. They work, right? Absolutely. So you produced a, a really nice chart that shows the number of days and it's described as P dot. What's P dot? PDOT is patient days on therapy. So we studied a period of nine months. So we're looking at the number of days in that nine-month period when the patient has prescription on hand. So if I'm looking at what you drew here, if a patient is paying nothing, the patients who paid nothing at all for their drugs, they had 94 days of therapy, three months of therapy. That is correct. And then the very next data point is one that is a little surprising. So I'm going to skip over it for now and then kind of go to the end. We'll come back to that one. At the other extreme, patients that paid more than $60, instead of picking up three months worth of therapy, picked up only, looks like two and a half months of therapy? That is right, 76 days. Uh, so that's that's a, a drop of about 20%. Mm -hmm. Just having a higher copay pulled down the utilization of the drug, and, and rather significantly. Absolutely. So that's the first lesson that we have from this is that copays work. Well, you know, Jeff, you said copays work, right? But is it is the question is the obvious question killing you why a zero copay doesn't have the highest p dot? Well, that was the data point that I skipped over and is the curious one. So the the data point that I 
skipped over, was the second data point. This is where people pay a little bit of money, but not that much money. They pay between uh, 0 and $15, but not 0 They're paying something. Those have the highest utilization, another week of therapy on top of what they did on average. Yeah, and a lot of that could be attributed to some of the factors that we don't have data for. If you think about a rich health benefit for a compliant population, that mix is probably the 110. If you think about the 94 days on therapy with zero copay, which is actually lower, you could think about, again, a population driven by Medicaid. So even though there's a rich benefit, the population is less able to get to the pharmacy and fill than your typical compliant person just by uh, different means and different income levels. And I, I appreciate that mix. What about, we're not talking about it within this, but within your experience, we look at a single drug, single payer. I've seen this pattern before yeah. where the the highest persistence or the highest utilization was not at zero, but was at $5. I know that one of the explanations that has been made for this observation in the past has been that patients require skin in the game. A certain amount of payment makes people more compliant. I know that this is true in other markets too. Um, uh, in uh, If you're giving birth control in India, charging a penny for birth control means it's used more often than if you charge nothing. Is that what's going on here, do you think? Well, and it could be that the patients that are picking up the prescription, they don't have to pay for it. They may have no intention of actually using it. The patient that paid for it a reasonable amount, mm -hmm. they took it with the intention of using it. Okay, so if it's if it's free, sometimes I, I I think if I'm sitting in a conference center and I see some freebie, mm -hmm. I, I may or may not actually want the thing. I I take it. Yeah. I may never ever pick it up again. I yes. may throw it away before the conference is done, right. but I picked it up right. because it was free. Right. Okay. Regardless, there is this this data point. Yes. If it's real, this would suggest that you want your copay cards to be something like $5 rather than down to nothing. Kind of a counterintuitive expectation. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And you also mentioned, Linda, that it's not just what the patients are paying on the drug that they're taking now. It's what they're paying for everything else. Can you unpack that? Sure. So what we found, Jeff, is that in addition to what the brand copay is for the particular drug that we studied, the patient's full copay burden across all of their drugs is actually the most important factor in affecting how much therapy they purchase. So if we're thinking about, if, if I'm thinking about this, what I'm thinking is the patient has to pay a lot per month, so they don't have an, as much for my drug or any one particular drug. That is correct. That also, I think, has an implication for us on whether or not they have a lot of polypharmacy. If they're, if they're a patient, if we're thinking about the patient type, one patient who has one particular illness, another one who has a lot of comorbidities, that's probably also going to be, for us, a, a patient who doesn't consume as much drug when prescribed. Not necessarily, because we actually find that patients that are on other chronic disease states... Mm -hmm actually have better compliance overall, but the amount of copay that they have to spend in total impacts their PDOT on the brand. Okay. An overall cost burden is really the biggest driver. Think about how your patient is paying for everything 
and that will tell you how much they're going to use of your drug. Correct. And then we've talked a lot about the patient being a female of retirement age as being the most common patient within chronic therapy, the chronic branded therapy. What does age have to do, or gender have to do for that matter, with whether or not a patient uses drug? So what we found is that age matters when it comes to purchasing their chronic medication. Older patients are better, and actually a patient of retiree age will consume 33% more than a pediatric patient. If I have the choice as a brand manager to target a pediatric patient, or at least a younger patient versus an older patient, what I'm hearing from you is that all things being equal, the older patient, they're just better patients for us. Older patients, we find, are better patients. They're on more chronic therapy. They know how to take chronic medication on a regular basis. Are girls better than boys? Girls are better than boys. They are? (laughs) Gosh dang it. How did that happen? Like, How much? How much are girls better than boys? When it comes to consuming drugs, males are consistently filling more. They consume about 5% more drug than do females. When you say girls are better than boys, they suck it up more. Uh, if you're a pharmaceutical company trying to get or trying to identify patients who use more drug, males are actually better. They're a little bit better. Males are a little bit better, yes. I know it's not in the data, but you have to have an opinion. Why are males using more <laughs> drugs <laughs> of the same kinds of therapies than women? I would say it's that females are more influential to male habits. So we actually owe it to the influence of our female partners. That's a really interesting insight. I, I, I hadn't thought of it that way. I know that when, when we have looked at brands that are to pediatric, any brand to a pediatric patient, you take uh, brands that are used for um, anaphylaxis or you take something that's used for um, diabetes, the, the compliance can be quite high for those because the caregiver is, is on top of the patient making sure that they use it. Or if you take something like cystic fibrosis drugs, they get used just perfectly fine until the patient gets to be about 18, 19, leaves the house, and then mm-hmm. it drops off. Mm-hmm. So what you're saying here, if I'm just going to paraphrase you, Mike, men are just a bunch of babies. Pretty much so. <laughs> I would have to agree. So the women are taking care of the men first, yeah. making sure they're taking their medications, and then they may forget some days to take their own. Okay. Age matters and gender matters. Is there anything else that's a very large driver? I, I see on a chart that you have here, you have the largest driver being copay, the share of the total. That is how much they're totally paying out of pocket for copays, or at least pay, have as total copays. Second is what the copay is on the brand. Then there's age, and then what? Well, the one thing that we found that was very interesting, Jeff, and it makes perfect sense, but I think no one really thought about it when we went down this path is the number of refills that are prescribed on the initial prescription significantly impact patient days on therapy. So patients that walk into the pharmacy with their first script on that brand, if they have no refills on that prescription, they will fill 20 days less than all other patients. All the work that we do to try to get co-pays to be as low as possible. All the work that a pharma company does in getting rebates out there. A line item that is larger than R&D is rebates. That all could be reversed. The same amount could be reversed if you just get one refill written by your doctor. Yes. That's it. That's all it takes. Mm -hmm. That's really amazing and a remarkable result. I thought that was a fascinating result that we found. 
And you talk about the influence factor, right? The physicians have an influence factor to what you're saying. All you have to do is fill out that refill as well. And what's interesting is going back to health benefits. If the consumer has to pay for office visits, say, in their, in their health benefit, it behooves the physician to not, do, to not provide refills, and they're getting extra money on those patients coming back into the, into the office just for a prescription, whereas some health, health plan benefits don't reward the physician just for repeated office visits. They're part of the, they're part of like the lower payment structure. Mm-hmm. So why if, if I'm Dr. A and I don't really get incented for or I don't get reimbursed for all of those multiple visits, I'm going to write those prescriptions and I keep that person out of my practice which is kind of unfortunate, but those are habits that are around how the contracts are and how they get reimbursed. So does this suggest a local market strategy where we find those doctors who are in systems where they write a lot of refills generally, or even specific doctors who, regardless of what they write, they write a large number of refills and target them? You target them and you're increasing your P dot right off the bat, just as our findings have uh, have showed. Well, I think that Linda, Mike, this has been really fascinating. I think that you're presenting this material at the Bio-International Conference this year, where it'll be released for the first time. And I look forward to seeing this and how it changes over the next, the next many years. Thank you so much. Thanks, Jeff. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you very much. That's all for the Inventive Health Podcast. I'm Jeff Stewart, your host, working for Inventive Health Consulting. If you have comments, suggestions, or questions, or if you have a challenging or difficult problem that you just want to talk through... We're consultants. That's what we do. You may email me at podcast at inventivehealth.com. Thanks for listening. Men are just a bunch of babies. Girls are better than boys.
That's all for the Inventive Health Podcast. I'm Jeff Stewart, your host, working for Inventive Health Consulting. If you have comments, suggestions, or questions, or if you have a challenging or difficult problem that you just want to talk through, we're consultants. That's what we do. You may email me at podcast at inventivehealth.com. Thanks for listening.